Welcome back to the Movie Babble Podcast. This week you've got myself, Colin, and I'm joined by Nick as we break down the St. Patrick's Day weekend's top five grossing films, as well as some miscellaneous news regarding James Gunn, as well as the future of the Transformers franchise. As always, you can check us out online at moviebabblereviews.com. So breaking down the top five for this week, weekend of March 15th through the 17th, St. Patrick's Day. In first place, big surprise, we've got Captain Marvel with $69 million. And second is Wonder Park in its first week with $16 million. Third is Five Feet Apart, also opening this week at $13.15 million, followed by How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World, which drops from second place last week with... 9.3 million and rounding out the top five is tyler perry's a medea family funeral with a nice 8.08 million yep so um captain marvel still pretty big <laughs> yeah it's it's a thing yeah i i think captain marvel is going to be up here for a few more weeks um i i think it could be tough competition this coming week with us Mm-hmm. Um, I agree because there there is a lot more anticipation for us than there was for Get Out just because people are aware of Jordan Peele as someone other than that guy from Key and Peele um, <laughs> they can actually distinguish between Key and Peele now which is nice <laughs> so <laughs> I, I think us has a pretty good shot at the top spot next week I think Captain Marvel will be in, in the second spot if it does drop but it's still going pretty strong so I'm not going to be surprised if it's here next week as well. Yeah, it's doing just really solidly. It's just another just amazing hit for Disney and Marvel Studios. Uh, it's going to pass the original Guardians of the Galaxy and worldwide gross sometime in the next day or two. It's right around $760 million worldwide, which is just absurd to think about. That's after two <laughs> just two weekends. So Brennan and I were saying last week that it was there's a good there was a pretty decent shot at a one at one million and I think at this point it's pretty safe to say it's gonna just easily pass that by unless something really bizarre happens. Um, but we it's this is a really solid week for Captain Marvel. It's when you have these movies that just just go absurdly high in their first week. It's always interesting to see what that week to week drop is and if. For those movies like this, like, like Captain Marvel, that can really open strong. And it's if they can keep that second week drop under 60%, it's typically pretty solid. So this week is uh, 54.8, which is just really good. And shows that people are just, not only do people just show up to see it opening weekend, people maybe are going twice or word of mouth is pretty good. I know the cinema score was actually really solid for this movie for opening weekend, but yeah, Captain Marvel, it's doing really, really well. It's just another hit in this mach- in this massive machine that is Marvel Studios. Yeah, I think this is Marvel's sixth or seventh billion dollar movie, assuming it does actually hit a million dollars, which at this point I, I think it's not going to have any problem doing. Um, so it's just a testament to how much of our cinema dollars are headed towards Marvel every year. And I mean, this is the first of three movies. Um, Endgame is going to be massive. That'll be an easy, that'll be the easiest two billion that Disney's ever made. (laughs) 
Um, I know there are some people that are saying that could go for highest grossing movie of all time. I don't really see that happening just because Avatar, it, it was a, it was lightning in a bottle. I don't really know if you could ever get a success like that unless you uh, have ticket prices bump up quite a bit, but we'll see. It's still pretty, pretty early in the year for Disney. They're going to start rolling out Dumbo later this month and then followed by in game next month, Aladdin. So Disney's off to a strong start. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where it's so hard to predict. Like, you know, like all of these Marvel movies are going to do well. Like Marvel has so much fuck you money at this point. It's just like <laughs> hilarious. Like you can, it really just depends on, because with Avatar, it's, it's a weird thing where James Cameron is like a massive celebrity over in Asia and especially China, which is really funny. They had him, they sent him over there for, Alita when that opened and that actually opened really well in China, even though it hasn't been doing so great. Uh, but it's, yeah, it's just one of those things where you, you don't really know what the international pull would be. And that would be what would put something over the top and make it the highest grossing thing ever. But for Captain Marvel, it's actually, it's doing great overseas. It's, it's really impressive. It's like about 65% of its gross is coming from worldwide box office. Uh, People around the world just like these space operas when done well or done well enough are can, can kind of cross language barriers. Um, and that's kind of what the, the brand that Marvel has grown. Like anyone can really just watch these movies. It just doesn't really matter where you're from or the language because they're just pure escapism. So it's just it's they're just going to keep making money and they're going to keep dominating the box office for many years. And I can't wait for Avengers 10 in 2058 or whatever this is just never gonna end <laughs> there's just so much money i just can never see this going away yeah unless just they completely derail which i feel like they they've got a pretty good track record so far and i think i don't know I'm, i talked about it a bit in the review on the site for a shameless plug but i think <laughs> Marvel derails a little bit with Captain Marvel and kind of goes back to who they were starting out with, like the Incredible Hulk and Iron Man 2. But I think this is probably their biggest misstep in, let's see, Thor the Dark World was six years ago. They're probably their biggest misstep since then, and it's still a pretty good movie. I just don't think it's a great movie, and I think it, from a story perspective, it is incredibly clunky. But, I mean, it's an enjoyable movie, and people around the world really seem to resonate with that. Yeah. I'm in the same boat with you on there. I wasn't really a huge fan of this movie. I was kind of bored if I'm being honest. Um, but I think that type of thing really just shows how big the Marvel brand is at this point. Cause when you see that just any random uh, movie goer who goes sees a movie and sees a trailer and the Marvel logo flashes on the screen, they're like, well, I guess I got to go take my kids to that when that comes out in a few months. So it just, it's, it, I do agree. This is kind of, it kind of did feel like a phase one movie where it's, it was really clunky storytelling and just kind of all over the place. But I, if they, if, as long as they don't string a bunch of these together, I mean, they're just going to keep making money and it's not going to be a problem. I mean, it's just going to take just overwhelming superhero fatigue for Marvel to go away. And I just don't see that happening like anytime soon at all. So. Yeah, Marvel, Marvel, they're doing well. Captain Marvel is just making so much money. It's kind of ridiculous. Yeah, and I think um, just to uh, toot Ben Mendelsohn's horn real quick. <laughs> Please do. I really enjoy him. I know he plays pretty much the same character in most of the movies he's in. 
basically. Um, but it is nice to see him break a little bit out of that. But this is also, I believe, the third billion dollar film that he's been in, assuming it does pass that in the next few weeks. Because um, he was in Rogue One, and then he was in The Dark Knight Rises way back oh, yeah. when. So I have to feel like maybe Ben Mendelsohn is uh, Hollywood's secret weapon right now. <laughs> Absolutely, or just face paint. One of those two. <laughs> so well, I guess, uh, Yeah, I guess we should just move on to Wonder Park from there, right? Because there's a lot to talk about here. <laughs> I mean, Wonder Park is probably the most ambitious movie ever, I would say. Uh, <laughs> Uh, just an original concept, not at all predictable. Um, really, I can't see any problems with it. <laughs> it was really funny. We were mentioning this before we went on here. It's, it's. I sent out the the review sign up sheet for the site this week, and no one chose this one. And I don't blame anybody for that because this just looks like the most four, like the four most four quadrant movie ever. It's just the. It just looks like the most inoffensive. Just take keep your kids entertained and for an hour and a half, just nothing. A nothing of a movie. <laughs> That's it, it. Outperformed expectations, I guess. Like it was there. It was pegged at lower double digits as far as millions of dollars go when it made sixteen. But uh, they made a, has a hundred million dollar budget. Uh, and I don't know where that went to. I guess it went to the the ridiculous voice cast that had people like John <laughs> Oliver and I think Jennifer Garner's in there too. It's just a just a crazy cast. I hope the their vacations with, that they they get from this paycheck are really great. But whatever, Wonder Park, <laughs> it's a thing. Yeah, there's a surprisingly um, pretty in demand cast. I mean, Mila Kunis is in there. Ken Jeong is in there. Keenan Thompson, Matthew Broderick. I guess he's not as in demand anymore, but they've still got pretty recognizable people in it. Um, I feel like Wonder Park is just one of those movies that now that we have, you know, decent computers and everybody can put together an animated movie a lot easier than, you know, back in the day when Toy Story was coming out and nobody knew how to do it or when it was all hand-drawn and you actually had to put a lot of work into putting these things together. Um, now that it's a lot more accessible, you just have a lot more movies like this. Uh, we talked earlier before we got on about the Ugly Dolls movie. Um, there's the <laughs> oh, Playmobil movie <laughs> coming out later this year. So every, everybody's kind of throwing their hat into the ring and just cranking out whatever mildly engaging concept they can think of. I'm I'm thinking that uh, Paramount should just stop making animated movies because if I'm not mistaken, their last animated movie was Sherlock Gnomes. Um, so Paramount, uh, you should stop making animated movies. I, th- whatever. <laughs> I mean, I think Brennan, Brennan talked about this last week where they were trying to make wonder park into a, into a Nickelodeon show or something like that. you know, cause <laughs> the whole Paramount Nickelodeon connection there, but kind of doing the same thing they did with Jimmy Neutron way back when, back when we were little, little teen tiny kids, but I mean, I just don't really see anything coming of Wonder Park. It just is just the most whatever movie about kids' imagination that's in literally every single animated movie. And I'm really sad because I know I'm going to have to go see this movie at some point because no one else wants to see it. <laughs> it's just going to make me sad. Um, but yeah, it made it made some money, twenty million uh, worldwide. Uh, still, it's far cry from its budget of a hundred million. 
Um, I don't, I don't really know why this movie exists or why it costs that much. Cause the animation doesn't even look that great. Um, I don't know. <laughs> this is so, this is a weird movie. Um, it looks like <laughs> Paramount is also responsible for monster trucks <laughs> from two years ago. <laughs> oh yes. Monster trucks. Oh, Paramount. Which I feel bad is, for uh, them. <laughs> their next movie is the Sonic the Hedgehog movie, which I know a lot of people are already upset about Sonic's design, so we may be looking at another Wonder Park in November. Uh, <laughs> what? I also thought that Sony Pictures Animation should stop making animated films, and then they made Into the Spider-Verse. So I, I'm willing to give... Paramount a few more years to figure it out. <laughs> hey, I, I ride for I, I ride for Hotel Transylvania. Those movies are fun. <laughs> Adam Sandler as a ridiculous as a ridiculous vampire as Dracula. I'm all in. Just give it to me. Just let it wash over me. Whatever. But I don't, Paramount's a weird studio. They have all these weird duds, and they've they've changed leadership in the past year or two, which led to A Quiet Place, which was really just a great breakaway hit for them. Um, but they also have uh, Pet Cemetery coming out in a few weeks. I don't know how well that's going to do because it's going up against Shazam and another movie that's escaping my memory. But they have that. And then they also have Rocket Man coming out with Taron Egerton singing as uh, Billy Joel. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, they're just – I just feel bad because they don't really have – they don't quite have all of their tentpole franchises. They're trying to make Transformers a thing, but that's not really doing well anymore just – just Michael Bay just pounded that into oblivion. So they're just like throwing money around trying to see what works. And it's kind of, they just seem behind like on every, on every decision. It's like, ah, animation's a big thing. Let's, uh, let's make an animation movie. Um, Oh, that's a horror's good. Oh, it was a big deal. What's uh Oh, pet cemetery. It's just, <laughs> it's just, everything just seems so far behind. It feels like they're stuck in 2012 at all times. So, I don't know. Paramount, you're weird. Do better. Yeah, I I mean, I, I'm hopeful for a lot of the stuff they've got on tap, but April is also going to be just an incredibly crowded month between, I mean, Pet Cemetery, Shazam, Hellboy comes out, um, Endgame is going to be huge. There's just so many of these big budget films that something's going to get cro- caught in the crossfire. Like, we're going to see some pretty big bombs next month. Yeah, we even have even for Pet Cemetery, they have we have that La Llorona, the Curse of La Llorona coming out just I think like a week, like two weeks afterwards. So even within its own genre, it's having it's going to have serious competition. So it's just Paramount's in a weird spot, and I think they're definitely in, in a better position than they were in years past, where they were just throwing out bombs left and right. Uh, but this, it's just, it's just, it just, this feels like a remnant of their old. Their old leadership is what it feels like because it takes a while for animation movies to get made. But I don't know. It's a weird one. Yeah. This feels like it belongs in the era when you had like um, Alpha and Omega and a lot of these. Yes. Weird, like a lot of these just studios trying to jump in and say, yeah, we, we can we can work a computer. Like we, we know how this works. <laughs> or like robots. Remember that movie? <laughs> <laughs> I, do I, don't think that anyone, movie. I don't think anyone said that since it came out. <laughs> Um, I, my younger siblings, um, used to be obsessed with that movie. So I have seen that ad nauseum. Let's, uh, (laughs) 
It's bringing back some PTSD right now. <laughs> I feel like it's time for that movie to become a meme. I don't really know what the shelf life is on that, but I feel like it's like about time for the weird parts of the internet to become a huge fan of that movie. But either way, I say we move on. I'm done talking about Wonder Park. Yeah. <laughs> I think America's done talking about Wonder Park. <laughs> I think they were done talking about it before it came out. So the next movie on the list is Five Feet Apart which was actually fairly close to Wonder Park, just in terms of how much it grossed. Is it $13.15 million? Um, I haven't seen this film yet. I've heard mixed reviews about it. I've heard some people say it's really good. I've heard some people say they don't want to think about it anymore. <laughs> uh, so what, what are your thoughts on it? <laughs> um, so I just... I knew from the beginning that this movie was going to overperform. It's a seven. It's on a $7 million budget, made 13, which is really good, and it outperformed expectations. And I think we've seen time and time again that like these romance movies just serve a movie-going audience that is always underserved. Uh, I mean, just from last year, Netflix's most popular movies were like The Kissing Booth and To All the Boys I've Loved Before and just like all these romantic comedies and... I think this kind of fits in there too. I think this is more of the the other romance movie where they both have diseases and they're all going to die and just sadness and disease and and love just that all the great thing all the things that make 13 year girl 13 year old girls just like into a wet puddle. <laughs> but it's it did really well good for them and I like I like uh, which Sprouse is it Cole Sprouse is in this movie I think. Um yeah. And then um Haley, Haley Lee Richardson, which I really, I really enjoy her as an actress. She was in, um, she was in Split as one of the side women that were stuck in uh, yeah, she got Kevin's eaten. basement. Yeah, she got eaten. Or yeah, she yeah, she got eat, she got eight. Uh, <laughs> and then we and then she was in one of my favorite movies. I mentioned this last week. She was in one of my favorite movies of last year called Support the Girls, and I really like her as an actress. And I mean, people seem to like this movie, and it really. Under it really sold to its audience. Um, it was this opening week, the opening weekend, 82% of its audience was female, which just shows the type of the type of demographic it was going towards. And I think it served its audience pretty solidly. Uh, it, I just this movie knew what, what who it was going for, and it was always going to get kind of middling reviews, but it just knew just it it just knew what the audience was for it and as far as for a business decision that's pretty solid in my mind yeah i think so i mean it's definitely a movie that hopes to be the uh the fault in our stars for exactly. everybody who read that book's younger sister so I, <laughs> that's a good way that's a good way to put it i have any lasting expectations for it i think yeah like you've said it's kind of made its money um it does i mean it it's made a pretty decent profit for how well the budget is. It'll make more as it goes on, obviously. But I think this movie's just like pleasantly there for teenage girls. And then in five years, there will be another one where they have to stay 10 feet apart. <laughs> I want to see the, I want to see the sequel where it's, they have to get closer. So it's like four feet apart. There's so many, there's so many title options. Cause you could do, you could, you can make them even go like further apart. Like, yeah, like 10 feet or like six feet. It's, there's so many possibilities here. I love it. Or I mean, I mean, I haven't seen the movie, so I'm guessing. I mean, possible spoilers. I mean, I haven't seen the movie, but I'm guessing it's a star-crossed lover movie where they have illness. I wonder what's going to happen at the end. So 
maybe there isn't a sequel. <laughs> I don't know. I do want to see. Yeah, I, I, I do want to. Yeah, maybe. I, I do want to see this movie at some point. I like Cole Sprouse. I grew up on Sweet Life of Zack and Cody, so I'll see it at some point down the road if I have time, which is pretty sparse at this point. But whatever. I'm sure. Teenage, I'm sure teenage girls loved it. <laughs> it. It'll pop up when you're least expecting it. Yeah, it'll show up on like it'll be like one of those like saturday or sundays where it's kind of raining outside you're on like hbo or stars and it comes on it's like oh yeah this movie i remember when this was this was in theaters let me watch it then you watch like 30 minutes of it and you're like oh this is exactly what i thought it was and then you move on with your life (laughs) so five feet apart (laughs) so moving on (laughs) how to train your dragon the hidden world uh this is its fourth week at in the top five and it's obviously not making as many gains as it has been in the past, but still coming in with 9.3 million. Um, we've pretty much talked this movie to death at this point, but it's, I mean, yeah. it's still competing with Wonder Park it's pretty well. well. Yeah, I think this was, if Wonder Park had any shot of making money, uh, How to Train Your Dragon just took it away because anyone who hasn't seen it, uh, I mean, and had to take their kids to a movie they're going to be like well i could go see this th- movie in a franchise which is pr- pretty solid quality or i could go see wonder park um so i think they a lot of them made the right decision and just went to see this movie instead um yeah i really don't have much to add here it was a pretty decent pretty good drop for it 36 percent uh which didn't really but bo- doesn't bode well for wonder park at all and i think you could make i think a good wager would be to see um, how to train your dragon finishing above Wonder Park next week. I think that's mm-hmm. an interesting. That's an interesting ploy. I think that's a lot closer than uh, some people would think there. But other than that, yeah, this movie is just doing well. It's making money. Good job. <laughs> and uh, speaking of making money, Tyler Perry beautiful uh, his pockets a little more. <laughs> um, it was at. It was in third last week. Uh, but Tyler Perry's A Medea Family Funeral is in fifth this week with $8.08 million. Um, I mean, it's performing pretty well. It's got $59 million domestically, so it's more than made back um, what it needs to, at least as far as most Tyler Perry movies go. Yeah, it's just, it's making money. Like, that's... That's really all you can ask for. I mean, at this point, so I have the numbers up, and it's currently fifth as far as all-time gross for these uh, Medea movies. Um, and my guess is it'll probably get up to at least third, because uh, in third place is Tyler Perry's Medea's Witness Protection. Uh, that's at sixty-five point six million worldwide, and this is or in the states, and this is at fifty-nine, almost even in the states. So. This movie is just kind of, it's right in line with all the other media movies and it, the budget is the same. And like I said last week, it just, it knows its audience and it's just going to keep making money. And it's already tripled, basically tripled its budget. It was $20 million budget. So uh, just another hit. This is why, this is a perfect example of in Hollywood, why they continue to make these movies. Cause they just keep, they just keep cranking out just decent hits. And that's really all you need sometimes. So. Good for them. Good for Lionsgate. They. This is like when we're talking about temple franchises. This is like Lionsgate's like big thing now because they don't have Hunger Games or Twilight. Like Tyler Perry is just just putting that putting the team on his back and just getting them money, which I find I think is hilarious. 
Yeah, hopefully uh, Hellboy will be able to pick up some of their franchise slack. I'm yeah, I hope so too. for that movie. I'm just worried it'll get slaughtered by Shazam and Infi- yeah. or in, not in Infinity War Endgame. That movie just looks metal as fuck, and I cannot wait. <laughs> um, so moving out of the top five, have uh, Captive State. It's just something to take note of. Um, it had a pretty large opening at about 2,500 theaters, open to a little over 3 million. Um, I haven't seen this. I know Brennan was excited about this one. Um, do you have any thoughts on it? I just feel bad for Brennan because this was like his baby almost. <laughs> uh, not really. I just like to give him a hard time. But yeah, this movie didn't do too great. I mean, it's a $25 million budget. Um, so I imagine at some point when like you factor in the rest of its gross and streaming rights and all that junk, it'll make something. But I mean, the reviews weren't too great. I feel like this was a movie that like needed... It had intrigue, but it just needed good reviews for people to like get off their butts and go see it. Because, I mean, it didn't really... It said a 47% on Rotten Tomatoes, and it was hovering around 50 all week. And, I mean, that's just not going to really excite people to get off their couches. So, whatever. Sorry, Captive State. Yeah. <laughs> and I've, I feel bad, because it's Rupert Wyatt. He hasn't directed a whole lot. But he directed Rise of the Planet of the Apes back in 2011. So I, I really like his style. But again, Captive State's one of those things that after seeing the reviews and just, it's an intriguing concept. But if it's not good, I don't really want to waste time going to see it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I wonder, and this is a point that I wanted to bring up. I wonder what um, Triple Frontier, what what impact that had on the box office this week? Because that's a the Netflix movie, it's a really big time swing for them. It's a drug drug action drama with big time movie stars like Ben Affleck and and Oscar Isaac and Charlie Hunnam, Pedro Pascal and Garrett Hedlund. Uh, it's J.C. Chandor is that director did A Most Violent Year, which is a great movie. And I wonder because that's a that's like a big time swing. And I mean, I I like the movie. Some it's getting pretty decent reviews. I wonder if that like the star power in that movie was big enough for people, just people will be like, ah, I'm not going to go out and see a movie in theaters. I'm just going to stay home and watch this movie. I think it's really interesting to think about because that movie, that's a, I think we, we're underselling how big of a deal that movie is for Netflix. Cause that's, I mean, yeah. we don't get that type of movie anymore. And it's, it's Ben Affleck coming back from whatever issues he had, which is, just, I don't know. It just, that, I think that's an interesting little wrinkle to throw in this week. Yeah, I'd agree. And moving on, we've also got Apollo 11 opened up a little bit more, um, but it's making a decent 1.2 million this weekend. Um, I mean, it's I have yet to see it because it hasn't come to my city yet, but I'm excited to go see it, see all the uh, original footage from the moon landing. I was at NASA last weekend over spring break, so I'm even more hyped about space right now. Oh, cool. Um, so cool. So, so I'd, I'd like to see that uh, perform a little bit better. I mean, as a documentary, it doesn't have just a ton of, uh, you know, budget hurdles to cross, but you know, it's still needs to perform well to justify more content like that. Um, yeah, I think that, okay. I think that movie. Um, if I could jump in, I think this movie 
I I forget exactly what the rules are or or the or the partnership is, but I think this movie is distributed by Neon, who is a really fun art house distributor in the in the vein of A24 and all that. And I'm pretty sure that they have a uh, I think they have a deal with CNN or someone else to show this on TV later in the year. Um, I think RBG did the, did this last year where it kind of premiered. I think that was, it was a May, May, June release. And then it premiered like three ish months later when you would think it would normally go to like streaming or something like that. It went on TV for a little bit and then it went to streaming. So I wonder if Apollo 11 will do the same. Cause I imagine that this, they're going to, it would make sense because the moon landing was in like July, I think it was June, July. I'm pretty sure it was like July, it was 19th, July. Something like that. Yeah, so I would it would make sense for this movie to come out now and then three months down the road just play on TV right as the as this as the anniversary is coming up. And I I don't know exactly if that's the case, but that makes sense to me that that would be be what is happening here. Yeah, I would agree. I think. Um, I, b- I believe that NASA's put some stake in it as well, just as far as like providing all the footage and everything. Um, so similar yeah. to "They Shall Not Grow Old," I forget what World War One Foundation provided everything, but they were like, "Hey, we want this made, and we'll help cover the cost. You can use all our stuff." And so I believe it's a similar scenario with Apollo Eleven. Uh, but I'm excited to see it. I've heard good reviews about it. Yeah, it's great. I love that. I, I love. It. I saw it at Sundance. It was it is a great movie. And I mean, as you were saying, with the uh, with the footage in it, it became one of the biggest video preservation um, acts of of like the last like few years or something like that. Because the director of the movie uh, just went into NASA and they found hundreds and thousands of hours of footage and audio reels that they had to they were then preserved and cleaned up and used in the movie so i mean i've been harping on this movie for the, for the last few weeks but really go see it it's one of the better history lessons you'll find in a movie so that's that's my that's my piece on that movie it's really really great i would encourage you to see it yeah definitely um as far as other box office results go there's not a whole lot of excitement um the Lego movie, the second part, this is its first week, not in the top five. It's dropped down to eight, but it has crossed the $100 million mark domestically. So it is semi-promising, still struggling as a movie, um, kind of same with Alita. And everything else is pretty cut and dry. Um, as far as non-box office related stuff, uh, there was some news I'm pretty excited about this week with uh, James Gunn being announced. As the yes, director for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 again, because um, he lost that last year after some offensive tweets resurfaced. I'm glad to see him back after Disney kind of cleared up the whole mess. Um, I know Olaf put a an article on the site, another shameless plug, <laughs> to talk about that, but I wanted to know if you had any thoughts on that. I th- I think that's just, I mean, it's I think it's great. Uh, I mean, people could say that Disney is kind of waffling back and forth, and those people are right. Um, but I, I think this is just a, the best resolution that could come out of this. I just James Gunn is a really great writer and interesting creator, and and if you and if anyone hasn't who's listening hasn't seen his earlier stuff, he's very interesting, and he has a, like a wicked sense to him. If Super is one of the more uh, just 
disturbing and gross movies I've seen. And it's kind of his deconstructionist take on a superhero. Really interesting. But I just, I really enjoy when people, when, when creative people like him have the opportunity to do more stuff. And so this is, this is really great. And, and this kind of paves the way for what uh, Marvel can do after Endgame because it's sort of a, like a black hole. It's like, what are they going to do? And we like what kind of like maybe Captain Marvel leads the way. But I think this really, I mean, depending on what happens in Endgame, this really puts into place that the Guardians are going to be the kind of the linchpin moving forward for Marvel. Um, I mean, I think Olaf did a really good job of pointing out this movie probably won't happen for a couple of years because James Gunn's currently working on Suicide Squad 2 or whatever they're doing with Suicide Squad. Um, but yeah, this is just, it, it made me feel happy. It just, I, I just felt bad for James Gunn this entire time and say what you want about what he said. Like, yeah, it's not great, but the whole situation itself wasn't great. And I'm just glad we can kind of get away from it and just go back to just seeing fun, fun escapist movies again. So, yeah. Yeah. And I'm excited to see you. Brightburn comes out in May. That's his evil take on Superman. Well, not Superman, yeah. but it, it's pretty much Superman. <laughs> yeah, it's it's Superman. But so I'm interested to see now that he's got because he's always been um, kind of weird. Uh, obviously, if you've seen Guardians, you know James Gunn's kind of a, a weird creative side to him. But he's also got a pretty dark side. And so one of his earlier, I think it might have actually been his first film was Slither. Which he yeah, did Slither with, too. Yeah, yeah, with Michael Rooker and Elizabeth Banks, and it's a really low budget horror movie, but it's really good and it highlights everything that James Gunn is good at. And so now that he's got more money and he's got a little more freedom to work with the darker side of things, I'm really excited to see where he takes Brightburn. Yeah, he's just I just like I said before, he's just a really interesting guy with really interesting takes on different things and. I'm a little nervous about Brightburn just because it's coming out of uh, Screen Gems, which is a which is a sector of Sony Pictures, which really puts out a lot of crap. Um, they last year they they put out um, Proud Mary, uh, Slender Man, and I want to and I want to say the Possession of Hannah Grace, which were just all just really really bad <laughs> movies. Um, but yeah, that's they don't have James Gunn involved with those, so. Um, He's just, I really, I just, I really enjoy him. He's twisted. If you've ever seen the Belko experiment, it came out two, uh, two or three years ago. It was a movie he wrote, which is about people just basically killing each other in an office space, which is just a vile movie. Um, it's, he's more than Guardians. And I just think that this kind of press for him just allows him to like continue to have carte blanche with all of his projects. Cause after Guardians was a big hit, people were just like, going to him like hey like what do you got like what type of scripts are you working on so i mean you've seen there's been a bunch of his scripts that have been made in the past couple of years as well so i'm just happy that we just have more of his work out in the ether or whatever so good for james yeah. Gunn. i'm glad this is kind of getting back to normal i mean i grew up with his scooby-doo movies that he uh wrote <laughs> me too so <laughs> i've unknowingly movies... been following james gunn for yeah. a while <laughs> I just, I, I'm unapologetically a fan of those movies. I don't care how terrible they are. They, I'm, they make me, they make me laugh. Um, so other than that, just a minor note that I know everyone's really excited for, uh, Paramount announced earlier that the Transformers, the last night is getting a sequel. So oh 
we can all be afraid of that. <laughs> so do we know anything else besides that that's a sequel? Do we know, is is Travis, uh, what's his name? Travis Knight, is that his name? Uh, who did who did Bumblebee? I see. Um, so do we know if he's working on that? Or supposedly he's returning for Bumblebee Two, which is an oh, Optimus right. Prime Bumblebee buddy movie, which I think could actually be pretty interesting, since I've heard it's supposed to be a reboot, but it might not be a reboot. So I'm not entirely sure what that is, but I I think making a sequel to Transformers: <laughs> The Last Night is kind of risky mainly because it's the other than bumblebee it's the lowest performing transformers movie so far but michael bay also isn't attached at the moment so that kind of gives me hope that maybe someone can do something exciting with it yeah at this point they've got to reinvent the wheel they've got to almost work like dc and just figure out what's wrong cut the dead weight and really start to push for new stuff which i mean we haven't really seen dc do a whole lot of but aquaman was kind of the first post justice league which was their biggest misstep um i believe it's actually their lowest grossing movie overall other than maybe the first man of steel but yeah transformers is at a point where it needs to really reevaluate itself and kind of remove michael bay if necessary which i think probably 95% of people with a brain would agree is a good idea. Yeah. I believe his next movie he's coming out with is actually a Netflix movie. Um, I don't know when that's coming out or any more information, but I just know that he's coming out with Netflix. So maybe he's doing, he's breaking away from that and he's doing other things. So honestly, I mean, we, everyone does shit on Michael Bay and for good reason, but I kind of like it when he does different things and there's some fun there's some fun things that he can do, and um, when he when he goes for his very macho, very unself-aware action movies, which are just amazing in every yeah. sense of the word. So if he just stays in that lane, like more more of like Bad Boys or The Rock or just something just unapologetically stupid and just like that's just where he needs to be. Um, and actually, I did find out some some more information. It's Movies called Six Underground, um, directed by Michael Bay, and it's written by Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick. So I believe those are the Deadpool oh, nice. writers. I believe so. There's some promise there, and if I don't know, it's good if that's something Michael Bay can do, and I'm I'm okay with it. There's there's room for Michael Bay to do things in Hollywood, but just not just go away from Transformers. We don't need that anymore. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I like. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like I enjoy some of his movies but i just michael bay from transformers 2 on up i could just do with without do with less of if yeah. possible. it's just so obvious that he paramount was just was just paying him stupid amounts of money because those movies were doing so well and he's just phoning it in more and more and uh it's just i liked what uh, his one movie that came out a few years ago the um was it thir- uh, 13 hours um, which is, yeah. it's kind of a tone deaf movie in how it looks at the Benghazi situation. But as far as a action display, it's really well done. Um, so, and it kind of started this new wave of Krasinski, John Krasinski doing new things outside of the office. But um, yeah, just Michael Bay, just, just stop doing Transformers movies and I'm okay with that. So I think, it, I think it's what's best for America. <laughs> America needs this. <laughs> I 
so other than that, that kind of wraps up all the notable box office stuff for this week. Uh, do you have any other thoughts to add? Um, yeah, I guess just just two quick notes. Um, just really quick. Uh, the Mustang opened in four theaters this week. This is a a big a bigger indie movie from Focus Features that premiered at Sundance. Uh, oh a little over a month ago, but premiered in four theaters in New York and LA and it's getting great reviews. So that movie should be probably be opening up and we should look for, uh, for that in the coming weeks as a little indie hit. Um, other than that, um, no, nah, not really, not really much. I mean, Gloria Bell premiered, uh, expanded into 39 theaters. And I really want to go see that movie for open for a 24. And that actually did really, really well, almost 400,000 uh, in 39 theaters. So, uh, besides that, no, nothing really. This was kind of a, this was, we, we talked about this a little before we came on. This is just a kind of a weird week. It feels like a holding pattern for things to come like Shazam and things like that. Yeah. We're definitely kind of in the calm before the storm because once Shazam honestly probably kicks off the summer, the summer box office, because you're just following big movies in April. And I mean, May's going to be pretty packed as normal. June and July will still be pretty full. Obviously, like we're we're moving into movies that would normally be in the summer, and yeah. I mean we've got a lot of huge movies coming out in April and May, especially. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. This is fun. This is when the box office really starts to get really interesting. We're going to start seeing really just bizarre and fun things going on with different movies getting number the number one spot every week. So this is this is going to be fun. I'm I'm looking forward to it. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Movie Babble Podcast. As always, you can find us online at moviebabblereviews.com and check back next week as we break down the debut of Jordan Peele's Us. <laughs>